Welcome to Brand Saving the Planet. I'm Kelly Rogan, and this is the podcast where we talk to startup founders working to make this world a better place, to learn from their journey and help you grow your own impact startup. All right, so I'm really excited. We have an amazing guest with us today. So we have Breen, who is the VP of Strategy and Marketing at Carbon Collective. And we're going to be diving into um, a really exciting topic. We'll be splitting it up into a few different episodes here. So the first one will be focused on how to get a job in climate. So I want us to start off and kind of have you set the scene in terms of your background and kind of what has led you to the role where you're at now. Mm-hmm. And then we'll we'll dive a bit deeper. Yeah. Um, well, uh, thank you so much for uh, having me on, Kelly. Um, I, I think when it gets into how I got started, I, I'm someone that has always been around um, the oceans. I'm a big surfer. Um, I've spent a lot of time, um, you know, outdoors. I love to I love to camp growing up, going up to Big Sur, and so there there was this like very natural affinity um, with the outdoors, and I also had a little bit of a scientific, um, you know curiosity as well. Uh, and so I was always fairly aware of climate change, even when I was younger, um, you know, cause a lot of people, they talk about, um, you know, Al Gore's movie being the thing. And I was like, I was already kind of aware of it, but like the thing that was a bummer when I look back at it is I was never active, right? I didn't do anything about it. I just was like, I wish we had done something about it or why can't someone else do, do something about it? And that changed when my grandmother passed away. Now, my grandmother is not your ordinary grandmother. She's she's a horrific cook, or she was a horrific cook. Um, and she was she was just like this very amazing woman and who she was the the mayor of her town for a time. She was on the LAC Planning Commission. She worked for USC's uh, Wrigley Institute of Environmental Studies to help fundraise. She was just was like a very deeply involved woman. And, I, and when I was younger, that was often very intimidating, right? Because even, even though she was very small, she was a tiny woman, um, it was intimidating. And when she passed away, or when she was about to pass away, we found out she had ovarian cancer. It was like, you know, she, she in, in her very enig- enigmatic way, we thought we were going to go have this very somber meeting. And she kind of gathered the whole family around and was like, and we're about ready to say like, kind of goodbyes or figure out what was going on. We're, we're all holding on. And she just like very matter of fact, okay, kids, um, you're all here today. Um, you know, the news um, I'm, you know, I'm, I've had, have ovarian cancer. I'm not going to do treatment. I'm going to do palliative care. Um, so the end is here. This is how the memorial is going to work. And for me, like, I still remember that moment being like, it was so jarring. And she tells my, my dad and his uncle, that they're going to speak. And there's, you know, six grandchildren. She's like, okay, that's too many grandchildren. We can't have six people speak. Bring you're going to speak. And when, when she did pass, um, and I did have a chance to stand up in front of all of these people that she had helped over decades and decades of her life, I just like recognized very deeply how important it was to like give back to the community. And Unfortunately, I didn't really have much skills. So there, there was this place of like, all right, crap, what do I do? And so I figured if I was going to suck at something and be committed to it, I should at least pick something that mattered. Hmm. And so climate change was a thing where I was like, okay, I'm going to do something about climate change. 
that was my thing. I was like, I don't know what it's going to look like, but that's what I, what I'm going to do. And um, it started out with me just like starting to look online, um, you know, researching policies, like how to solve climate change, you know, what we should be doing about it. And I ended up finding a group called Citizens Climate Lobby. And there's a couple of reasons why I really like them. Um, the, the first one is it, they, they have a policy that is the most, the single most effective policy to reducing emissions. Because most other policies are like a basket of policies. Um, and so I really like that. I really like that it built the economy, that it was like fixing the injustices in the system. Cause like the basic thing is like, you get to pollute for free right now and it just mm -hmm. fixes that and pays all the money back to people. Right. You can't, you know, pollute for free, you mm -hmm. know, and all that money, instead of going to the government goes to people to like help them with things we're, we're all experiencing right now, you know, on you know June 23rd, which is like high inflation, you know, gas is expensive. So like, what do you need? You need a little extra money. Um, so I really like that. The second thing I really liked was, um, the approach, um, is working with relationships with elective representatives. And it was, um, trying to meet people where they were, which was really hard because <laughs> I had at the time an elective representative, um, who was one of the two people that, uh, like, uh, house majority leader, Kevin McCarthy, Thought was being paid by Putin. There's like this like famous recording where like where that leaks from Kevin McCarthy, and Kevin McCarthy says like there's only two people that Putin pays, and it's like Donald Trump, and the other one was like my congressman, um, and his name is yeah, so Dana Rohrabacher <laughs> is my congressman, um, and so like the obstacles are high, but it, the the training that it got was really great for like marketing actually as well too. Then we're on a marketing podcast and it was really like, what are, like, what do these people care about? What is this person you're sitting in front of? Like, like, what does he care about? And so I started there and actually developing a relationship and developing a relationship with his like staff and trying to figure out like what motivated them. Um, at the same time, my family, I'm a second generation ad kid. Um, my parents co-founded an, an ad agency that they had for 25 years. And in my professional life, I was like, you know, I spend all this time at a job, not trying to solve climate change. That seems silly. Right. And I, and like for you, you know, like you've made this realization, but I like, this was a time where like, I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm a, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like I need to be doing something. I started uh, there too. I didn't, I didn't start. Yeah. You gotta start world. there. You gotta start somewhere. <laughs> I gotta start. So, so I I, I made a decision that I wanted to retell a story around solar, hmm. uh, you know, about, I, I think the thing that I wanted to tell, there's two key things that I wanted to talk about, which was like American ingenuity and our ability to continue to make things better. And, um, you know, there was some grounding of citizens climate lobby that I want to say like oil did this and it had its time, but is now no longer part of the current American ingenuity. Um, and in addition to that, I wanted to like improve the experience. Um, I just got solar panels in my house. And so it still bothers me that, that this thing that I, I thought is not working, which is when you actually turn on your solar panels, there's not this feeling of like, ah, like I, I'm powered by the sun. <laughs> um, so I was, I was really adamant that these two things would be really valuable to a solar company if there was like a deep belief in trying to create like a better customer experience. Mm -hmm. And so I went through a handful of pathways. Um, I had a really 
I, I got very lucky to get to talk to Aaron Mulligan Nelson, who at the time was the CMO of SunPower. It was a very much like a, a favor that she would listen to me. It wasn't like a sincere consideration of our capabilities, but it was like a meaningful thing for me that she would take the time out um, to do that. Um, but the other one, which was um, actually more active was Varango Solar. And I was really trying to get into Varango and like may have gotten a job may have landed that if like someone didn't change a job, which I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of agency people living, listening to this. They're like, no, my contact left. And now I got to start all over. Um, so I had that moment and, um, and then right after that, my family's agency had the, the very, uh, bittersweet fortune of like three of our, um, our biggest accounts were acquired, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Pat on the back. Mm -hmm. But you, like everyone in the agency world knows, like you don't go with them. No. <laughs> you don't go with them. You have no more revenue. And these are yeah. big, big places. And it was at a time where just to be like really honest, like I didn't have the capabilities to build up a business. Yeah. Um, and my mom and dad were just, they were tired, right? I mean, yeah. it, it was like a later stage in their career. And so I took over um, like the head of marketing of one of my smaller clients called EP Wealth Advisors. Mm-hmm. Um you know, really high touch wealth management. And um, it was a great experience to lead a place, especially like it gave me space away from my dad, who was like, I mean, he, he was a force in the room and he taught me so much. And I'm really grateful, but it's always really nice to have like your own space to do your own mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And it, in doing that, I try to still stay a little bit active, you know, try, I asked for like ESG options and try to think through because what I was seeing was in finance, there weren't really that many good like environmentally friendly options and there mm-hmm. and and to be honest there still aren't right yeah. there's so much greenwashing it's like there's all these esg funds and indices that still include exxon for example and that blows my mind like mm-hmm. still to this day i'm just like why mm-hmm. um and then now i have thoughts on why that is but you know so i was trying to do some things there i also got in you know as a result of um working with systems climate lobbying and developing a network and meeting a lot of people i I was really fortunate to be invited back to take over my grandmother's position on the board um, at the Wrigley Institute. Um, And that was amazing, right? Like it's a blue water marine preserve on Catalina Island, just off the coast of Los Angeles. It is like the most pristine place. And they're doing cutting edge work on basically how to solve climate change. And there was all these really cool things that they were thinking about the time, which is like, could they make Catalina completely sustainable? And the, the answer is yes, but like mm-hmm. how and like the political will and, and the message and could we make that a blueprint? And so that was something that was really exciting for me. Um, and so I started working there. I, I ended up meeting a, uh, through the associate director, her name was Ann Close, um, a professional big wave surfer named Jamie Mitchell. I'm a surfer. So like whenever I get to meet these people, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I was <laughs> <laughs> like, you do this thing so much better than I do. Yeah. Uh, your ways. <laughs> um, and he had this idea where he wanted to paddle um, the seven crossings of the eight channel islands to raise awareness for sustainability. Wow. I was like, let's make a documentary. So I started volunteering my time to make a document documentary and work with this group. There's a bunch of amazing people I got to work with. Um, and we got to the point where we raised enough money to film it. And like, we went out and it's gorgeous, you know, beautiful na- national parks. Mm-hmm. You get to see California, what it looked like 150 years ago, nothing on there. 
you know, in those upper islands. Mm. And it was just amazing, a really incredible experience. And when I came back for that, I was really charged. Of course, COVID happened shortly after, and we didn't have the money to like edit at the time. So that kind of put me on pause, but I still had this feeling of like, how, how can I, how can I have more climate impact? I, you know, like, what mm. can I do? And I was, a, you know, even though things were going good at work, like it was a good job. I started applying to a lot of climate friendly jobs, okay. um, marketing positions, like how can I get there? And I probably sent applications to like 200 or wow. 300 places. Um, and just because like, I kept having this feeling like, why am I spending all this time here when there is a problem of the magnitude that could threaten the stability of our civilization? Yep. And, you know, so I started thinking much more and more about that. And one of the, there's a, there are a couple of resources that I found that were really helpful along the way. Um, Mm -hmm. um, one, I'm not sure if you ever read and I'll, I'll send you links to this afterwards. Yeah, well, clear. Um, but one of them was an article. I'm a really big fan of Tim Urban at Wait But Why. I'm not sure if you've, mm-hmm. if you've read that blog. It's hilarious. There's like super deep dives into arcane topics that are like really well written and funny. But they, he also does these um, very terribly but hilariously drawn stick figure cartoons for <laughs> all his imagery. And one of the articles was like, how to, like, how to get a job that you like was on how to get a job that you actually care about. Mm-hmm. And I read that. And then I also read this book called designing your life by Tim Burnett. And, mm-hmm. and, and they teach a class up at Stanford around this, like, how should you be thinking about, you know, developing, you know, your North star, like what actually matters to you? What, you know, what are you good at? There's kind of like that. I'm not sure if you've heard of Ikigai, but there's like an Ikigai component of like, balancing four things um where it's you know what are you good at what does the world need you know what do you love and what opportunities do you have in your area right Mm -hmm. and so if you get at the center of all of those things you can have like a deeply meaningful life and so Mm -hmm. I used that framework combined with designing your life to like start to like hone my north star I I read it with some friends um, we were all trying to do things and like, they've all done their own interesting things too. Hmm. Um, and then I, I read the way, but why, but I, I really like a key thing was just trying to talk to people in industries where you want to get jobs. So you start to develop it hmm. and be, I, I took it a little bit of a step further. And this is something where like, I, I feel like I had great privilege. Like I, um, I had a good job, um, you know, but I, I would carve out these small windows, you know, half hours, hours after work, maybe a lunch here and there, um, where I would start to do free work, you know, just being super mm-hmm. honest. I, I wrote free strategic communications, um, plans. I, uh, I readed sales decks for people. I readed one pagers. I edited emails, um, all for free. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of my friends. And so like, I highly recommend it because it's, it's, it does two things really well. There's a cautionary tale in here, of course, but like um, one, it, it gives you the reps to do your work well. And the truth of the matter is we need everyone here in, you know, telling this much better story around solving climate change to be razor sharp, mm-hmm. you know, to, to have the highest level of skills. And so it gets more reps for you mm-hmm. if you're trying to get into climate. Um, the other thing is, 
it's a great way to develop a network, right? Because people are like, that guy will do, you know, that girl or, you know, that person will do free work for you. Like they love doing this and they did it and helped me a lot. You know, I did free stuff for Citizens Climate Lobby. Like I, my friend and I, we made this surfer magazine um, that argued why my representative should take action on climate change. And it actually got his chief of staff to say that, you know, they ended up getting ousted from office in that 20, uh, 2018 election surge that like the blue wave that started to push back against Trumpism. Mm-hmm. And so he got knocked out. Um, but his chief of staff said he's like, he was going to volunteer in climate, but like all that free work, like really started to add up. Yeah. And um, the funny thing is like, I was going to continue to do that because one of the people that I did free work for, um, again, these are time box. Cause I think the cautionary tales, you, you can't do everything for free. Of course. Um, like you have to have your job. You have to be able to like pay your bills yeah. and like take care of yourself. So like, I, that's where I, I just keep using that term time boxing. Mm-hmm. And my friend who's a neighbor, I done some free work for, um, he's, he's awesome. A really inspirational, um, guy for me. Um, he, he had pivoted, um, in his business life he was going through a similar process as me and tried to do a startup. The startup didn't quite work, but he had developed like the networks and the abilities um, to pivot into climate tech venture capital. So he starts his own small climate tech venture capital business. And in doing so, he meets Zach, Zach Stein and James Regalinski of Carbon Collective, mm-hmm. invests in their business. And this is pre-seed stage. So they're really early. It's just the two co-founders, mm-hmm. you know, arguing between themselves um, over a sauna task and like what they should do. Um, I love it. Um, and, and they're like, we need marketing help. Hmm. And, and, and so Dan at that point gives me a call and is like, Breen, you got to check this out. And I looked at the website and I was like, this, this is exactly what finance has been missing. It is a clear theory of change. You know, it like it is what I have been looking for for years. I wouldn't even let my old company invest my money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like I had, like I had money, right? And I did like the extra disclosures with mm-hmm. my old chief compliance officer to make sure that I I could invest my own money in a, mm-hmm. in what I felt like was at the time I was trying to do it in a more impactful way, yeah. um, and, and more ethical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found this, and it's like full divestment from fossil fuels and not just like the Exxon and Chevron because like yeah they're the famous ones for polluting mm-hmm. the shit out of the place sorry for a curse in doing this like full divestment Exxon Chevron like yes they're the most famous but there's like energy utilities industrials materials like they're all so such dirty industries and they were completely removed from the portfolio and the thing that I thought was like really the brilliant step was they reallocated um, investments based on climate solutions outlined by um, institutions, like one of them that is, is really inspiring for me is called Project Drawdown. And they have a mm-hmm. hundred solutions to help us achieve drawdown with a plan, right? So there's a model that says, hey, we can solve climate change. Mm-hmm. All the technology we need exists today and we can do it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was like a very foundational book for me to read because I was just like, all of a sudden I was like, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And to see investing structured in a way where it had matched the, you know, the path to solving climate change as clearly as I, as I saw it, it was like just such a golden moment. Mm-hmm. And 
the extra step that I loved was they were like, you know, we plan on adding shareholder advocacy so we can push the people in the middle. Mm-hmm. And these are the Costco's, like they can have solar panels on their buildings, you know, uh, the Amazons, they can have a, a renewable energy fleet. This is the Coca-Cola, like they can make their brown fizzy water and still be like, you know, carbon neutral, right? Like they don't need fossil fuel emissions, mm-hmm. right? For their core business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, those are the people to spend your time, you know, reducing demand there. And so I, I love that. And I was like, okay, I'll do whatever you want, Dan. Um, just introduce me. And I got to meet Zach first. And, and to be like, to be straightforward, I was like, okay, look, I love this. I know you need help. Like I, I will help you. Let's do five thirties every Wednesday. Um, Cause like it needs to be after work, but like, I, I will do this. Like, let's do a half hour each week. I can talk you through like developing like a very quick plan um, that is valuable for you at your stage. Yep. Right. They, they'd already done a fairly good website, like a really a pretty good website. Mm-hmm. And so it was like how to think through what are some easy wins they could do based yep. on what they had. Yeah. And so we started talking each Wednesday, each Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, Zach kind of goes very sheepishly. He's like, you know, he's talking about building out. They just finished the fundraise. I've made recommendations on the team um, that mm-hmm. they should hire. Um, and he kind of, he goes, do you, do you just want to do this for us? <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, I do want to do this for you. <laughs> um, and, and, and for me, you know, we went through this like negotiation project process. Cause like I, I, I was trying to be as just respectful as I could. Mm-hmm. knowing that they were early stage startup um, yeah. and I was coming from like a more, more lucrative side of the industry from a cash compensation perspective yeah. and like trying to find something that worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did. And what I can say is, you know, for anybody that's thinking like the grass is like greener working in climate, I can say with hundred percent certainty in my experience, yes, mm-hmm. it is. It's yeah. so much better. Like just that the thing I, there's a couple pieces of it, but the ethical mm-hmm. alignment, knowing that you're working on something that's bigger than yourself every day yeah. is so empowering. It's, it gr- has greatly improved my mental health, oh. right? Because I, I'm taking action every day. You know, mm-hmm. is it enough? It's not like, I'm, I'm really like, it develops a level of humility too, but like, I'm not, I'm not doing enough, mm-hmm. but I'm doing what I can. And I'm aligning everything that I can to solve this really big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, and it's even like how you and I met through these Slack channels, yeah. you know, for clean creatives, mm-hmm. it's, there's a level of community and generosity and thoughtfulness that in this community that I think is non mm-hmm. because every single person that I've met, that's really serious about this problem has had that deep realization that we need everyone. Yep. We need everyone. Every job can be a climate job. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the classic Jamie Alexander thing that she talks about. And she's like a hero of mine and I get to talk to her every now and again. So it's like, <laughs> wow. you know, to be, to be able to, to, to interact with the people at Project Drawdown and like means so much to me because it was one of the central books to give me hope about solving climate change. Like, I, I mean, it's literally like right there. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like I I put it up on my desk because like I'm on these video calls all the time, like, and it's in the background. And it reminds me every day that yep. we can do this. Exactly. Like we can do it. 
That's really powerful. And so I want to kind of break it down. I know we, we touched on a lot of topics. I have a lot of thoughts and ideas. Um, I love everything that that you're saying, um, and, and really resonate a lot with it, but I want to kind of break it down for our listeners who are Mm -hmm. really just at the beginning phases. They're listening to a lot of podcasts, reading all the things, you know, and getting a lot of times there is a lot of that ego anxiety because of the knowledge to action ratio. There's such a big gap there. And so you mentioned a lot of things. I think a lot of it makes sense, right? If you can actually work aligned with your values, it creates this like virtuous cycle, right? Where you're actually mm-hmm. like getting fueled by your work and mm-hmm. you know, your home life is probably better. Your health is probably better. And then it's, it's, you know, the opposite effect you're working in things that aren't aligned with your values and you're just easier, more prone to burnout and things like that. And you talked about honing in on your skills. So mm-hmm. for someone who's listening um, and trying to think, you know, Maybe I'm an accountant. Maybe I'm a designer. Maybe I'm, you know, just a strategist. Like what, what would you say for kind of like all the different roles or, you know, no matter what their skill set might be, what would you say is kind of that step one? Would it be honing, trying to figure out the connection to climate action with your skill or, what, or, or just kind of getting out there and talking to people? What would you say would be the most ideal step one? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great question. Um, I wish I had a more... I, like I wish when I started, I had a like a clearer answer, like the, the what I think is going to be a clearer answer, um, which is I try to evaluate based on that ikigai framework, right? Mm. Like um, because you know because you're looking at what are you good at, what can you actually do well, mm. you know? So maybe you're an accountant, maybe you don't love accounting, but maybe you're like you're good with numbers, you really like it but you're passionate about the environment, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to see how it works. Like carbon accounting is going to be a huge world need, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the last thing is like, like um, what opportunities do you have? And I think of that in terms of network and that's where the book Designing Your Life I thought was really helpful. Mm-hmm. So it's about grounding where you are. It's getting a sense of like, where are you? You know, mm-hmm. so it's like a mix of, understanding the opportunity, really understanding what you're good at, really understanding, um, where, you know, um, like what you love, you know, and what sparks joy. I mean, Dr. Ayana Elizabeth, um, you know, Dr. Ayana, I know Dr. Ayana Johnson, it's just, it's, it's, her handle is always like Ayana Elizabeth, but that, Dr. Ayana Johnson talks about this all the time, which is like, what brings joy? And I love that a scientist is doing this, Yeah, you know, because like you think of them, like, the archetype of a scientist is so nerdy and unfeeling. And, <laughs> and this is like the literally like the antithetical remark to it. And so like, I get a deep sense of joy when I hear her talking about this. Mm. Um, but it's like, what does spark joy? Like even in marketing, there's a zillion ways that you can be excited in marketing. Like if you really like creating social content, you know, can you create social content that re- that highlights issues, maybe like understanding the issues, maybe like understanding positive stories, mm-hmm. right? You can start to like take action in those areas. Like what brings you joy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because that's where you start to understand like, what can I do? You know, what's around me? What opportunities? Like I, I try to think in terms of impact too. Mm-hmm. So like I was looking at the drawdown framework as being, these are the areas that I should be focusing on mm-hmm. um, and like trying to measure how much a company was or was not doing the things that they were saying, because there's a lot of greenwashing out there. And I don't want people to like have the greenwashing affect their jobs too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like if they decide to go work for a natural gas company that's talking about how they have lower, you know, carbon, like, you know, carbon emissions intensity, like that's kind of a BS metric. And they're going to have a moment of disillusionment in their career when they realize that. And hopefully they're not too far bought in where they have a mortgage and they need that comp and they're, they're too cynical and the job's too demanding, right? Mm -hmm. At that point where they get stuck, yeah. right? Yeah. So so and so that's that's one thing. The other thing is like there's so many good communities now that are available that weren't when I was. Mm. Um, I love work on climate. Um, Eugene Kerpachov's um, group, I, I think that's amazing. I mean, Duncan Mizell, what he's done with the Clean Creative Slack channel, yeah. I think is awesome. Um, there's the the tofu marketing channel. Yeah, um, I'm on Slack. all these. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I love my climate journey. Um, you know, they're, they're an investor in carbon collective. And so like, I got in there and then I was like, cause like, Oh, they're investors. I got to figure this out. Um, and I was like, Oh my gosh, these are my people. I love being in here. Mm -hmm. Um, places like that are really great. Uh, climate town. Um, they have a discord channel. Um, mm -hmm. I think I tend to see fewer jobs there, but it's still a good community in terms mm -hmm. of like climate action. Um, so like there's good places to start to engage, um, you know, and start to take action. So it's like, mm -hmm. that is a good place. So those, like those two things of like getting an understanding of where you are and what action could look like, and then starting to go into like a community that is incredibly supportive and where if you care about this, you're going to feel a sense of belonging um, just by like doing the introduction and like everyone's going to give you like a little emoji, like, mm -hmm. you know, like the praise symbol or like the green heart. And you're going to be like, yes, I'm here, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But there's always like a what next, right? Yeah once you're there. And exactly. so, um, mm -hmm. that is, but that's a good place to start. Um, yeah. I, I highly, highly recommend designing your life. Um, I highly recommend, um, you know, wait, but wise, like how to get, how good a, a career that you love. Um, also if anybody wants to talk to me, like they could just, they can talk to me. I, I, one of the things that I recognize so often is like how talented regular people are and, mm -hmm have not been told how good that talent is. Hmm. And then the other thing is like a measure of excitement to go off and do this hard thing. Yeah. You know, and, and like, I genuinely feel this. Like I, I, I had, um, I actually do this. Like I do like a couple days a week, I'll take a 30 minute call or something with people. Um, but I had a, a young woman who was in PR who um, was really interested in, in getting more focused in climate. And the more I started to talk to her, I was like, whoa, you're like already doing amazing stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And if like, it's incredible what people are already doing. So if there's some way that they can give themselves like credit for what you're like, for example, like what you're doing, you yourself, Kelly are, you know, are doing is like creating this great space for people to like tell stories, learn a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, people should listen to this podcast. I'm sure they're going to get a lot of like great things out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, and then just being excited to see what's next. Like if you're with somebody that really cares about this, that's already doing interesting things. Like I oftentimes feel like a genuine level of excitement mm -hmm. and um, like this belief has been codified a little bit um, from where I work. We have like a lot of like required reading um, um, to help form our like organizational philosophy. And one of them is like first break all the rules. Um, and it's a, it's a fairly, fairly well-known book um, that's on organizational philosophy and like the key insight in the whole thing that reverberates is like build around um, like what you do best. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and 
I, I think when you see what people are already doing and then try to encourage that, like that's where, I mean, that's where the magic happens, you know, like it, it like, as individuals, like, yes, we have to get good at like supporting tasks to like our magical feature. But like, if you're not good at doing design work, but you're great with spreadsheets, like don't try to do design work, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go live in your spreadsheets and figure out how it applies to carbon accounting. Likewise, you know, maybe you have to do some minimal level so you get by, right? Like you have to be able to like write, you know, like a good resume, but like you don't have to like be known for something that makes good design. You just have to be like known for like the thing that makes you special. And so you start to focus on like where your magical powers are rather than what to do it all. Yeah. Well, cause like, I mean, I think a lot of times people get upset at society, like quote unquote society, because it's like, they're criticizing you all the time. And that is true in a lot of ways. It's like, Oh, I should be like this, or I should be that. And it's like, but it's also like, there's a place where it needs to celebrate so many types of people. And you're not going to be all those people. Like exactly. you just aren't, Yep. you know, I'm never going to be seven foot tall. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to play for the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors. Like, it's just not going to happen. And that's okay. Like, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, so there's like all these things that I, that I could be, that I'm never going to be. And that's fine. And so yeah. that's where I think like that first step of really understanding yourself is so helpful. because mm-hmm. it helps build like that positive momentum around like, what do you actually do well? How yeah. do like, like when you have your best relationships, what does that look like? Yeah. You know, like, how do you interact with those people, your best friends? How do they describe you? What do they think you do the best? Mm-hmm. What do they value the most? The people who you, that you work with well, like, what do they like about how they work with you? You know, when you're at your best. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, it's really all of these questions. Oh, my dog just came in to say hi. <laughs> um, you know, it's like all these questions to figure out you know, how, how do you become yourself? And I think that's like a really interesting space to think of around both self-actualization as well as belonging to a community that has a purpose higher than yourself. Yeah. That's huge for like your wellness and, and, you know, even longevity, you know, being able to feel like you, you have a community and sense of purpose. I think Adam Grant talks a lot about getting into, um, some of his most recent books and talking about perfectionism and how we just, because of like the social media and this and that, we have this constant feeling of not being enough. And I think that's kind of why it's almost like what, you know, what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. We need to, and in being an agency owner, I think I definitely fall into this category of like wanting to do it all and doing it all perfectly. Right. And and I have to delegate. I can't, I cannot do it all and do it well. And so we need to be comfortable that we are enough and that no we're not going to do it all and we don't it doesn't always have to be perfect you know we have to still have that creative juice flowing because once you create that you're going to grow too exactly you're going to get better at things exactly so step one sounds like it's a it's looking inside no is that how we kind of like summary it of just trying to look i think it's establish your foundation because it's a little bit of like understanding your relationship with the world so that's both an inside and an outside Yep, right. Because you're looking at like, what does the world need? You know, what are the product drawdown solutions? What am I good at? Like, you know, um, like, what do I love as well as like what opportunities, like what's in my network, what's in my local area, like what yep. can I do? Um, so like there's an inside outside thing, but it, it like helps establish that foundation of like 
how do you relate to the world mm-hmm. is kind of, it's kind of how I think about it most clearly. How do I relate to the world? Yep. And putting yourself out there. I think yeah. I actually, I, so I started to write a book <laughs> many years ago and it never saw the light of day and it was called the luck equation. And I feel like before I started talking to you, I looked at your role. I look at what you do. I look at kind of your profile. I'm like, wow, this guy's so lucky. It's so awesome what he's doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And now that you've broken it down for me, now it's like, wow, you know, other people could do that. You know, it's like, you sort of break down this sort of equation of like really putting yourself out there, creating, you know, becoming an expert in something, creating the space for opportunity, all those different connections. And then, you know, when that preparation meets the opportunity, then you have the luck. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think that's good. I think there's also like a place that I, I like to say, like, think about, which is like, just a deep gratitude for like a big picture luck, like just to yeah. be, yeah, just to be born in the United States. Yep. Like I'm healthy. Like I think building up that place is really important. And then like you were saying, it's like starting to create those habits so that mm-hmm. you can't seize on opportunity. Yep. You know? So it's like, and what opportunities do you want to seize on? Mm-hmm. Right. Like what exactly. opportunity are you looking for? Yeah. Right. Like if, I mean, there, there's that, like, that cliched expression of, you know, like when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just hammering everything, mm-hmm. but like people are scissors and people are butter knives and people are like, <laughs> you know, machetes, you know? So it's like, um, you know, people are forks, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are plates, like, you know, so it's like, that, like people are all kinds of different things. And so it's like, what is like that thing? What, what makes that thing come to life? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, being aware of that so that, you know, maybe you're not, you know, you're self-aware enough as a hammer to know that like what a nail really looks like. So when you, you're going for it, bam, you know, and you're, you know, when you're a plate, cause you're really trying to serve up some beautiful food, mm-hmm. um, you know, just like unpacking those cliches so that you actually get the important lesson that is buried in there from years and years of being super boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. I love it. Um, and so I want to, I want to, cause I know we're going to have, you know, lots of more content we'll be, we'll be packing yeah. in here, but I want to kind of wrap up with, you know, if we could kind of boil it down, cause obviously this is a lot of really, really good content um, and a lot of good tips and, and just good experience, you know, based on your experiences, but kind of boiling it down, you know, I think this question is very cliche, but I do like it. I mean, if you could kind of look back to, you know, when you first talked about that trigger, when, you know, your grandma mm-hmm. was passing and you started to realize, you know, this is something I want to get into. This is where mm-hmm. I fit, you know, where you are now, what's something you would tell to yourself right in that moment? Well, what I would tell myself in that moment, I would tell myself that I'm about to take steps that will make me radically happier and living a much more meaningful life. And then to, to worry less as much as possible, Mm. you know, that there is uncertainty, but like I have made a profoundly important and positive decision and it's ended like enjoy, like have a sense of gravity, gratitude for that decision. Just, just that decision. Mm -hmm. Like you are starting an interesting journey. Wow. 
That's really motivational. I think that's because a lot of people right now, a lot of listeners, I'm sure there's a lot of doubt, you know, there's the doubts just kind of like creeping up in your throat. You're like, no, no. Oh, dude. (laughs) Tell me. Well, so I like, I I have a background in fiction, right? Like I have like a master's degree in it. Like I've written books, none of them published, but like I have like my, I have my website of short stories and stuff. Yeah. Um, But I think I've spent enough time with stories to also know their downsides. Right. Mm. And, and I think there's really like re- two really clear downsides when, especially when you listen to someone like me. Right. If someone, if someone's listening and they're like, you know, this guy figured it out, he got there. I think there's two big illusions. Right. Mm. And one is that it never felt predestined. Okay. Right? Like I never knew what I was going to do. I never knew I was going to end up at Carbon Collective working with, you know, Zach and James and now Brooke and Tavis and, and Mari. Right. I didn't know that. At no point, not until like I actually signed the documents, <laughs> did, did I know that, right? And so like, um, like, like if you're feeling that level of uncertainty, that, that, is, that is a good sign. Hmm. That means you're doing something important and scary yep. and it's worth chasing. Hmm. And the stories don't always do a very good job of showing that, yeah. like, especially the way that, that I'm telling it. Um, I'm trying to tell it better, but it's a hard thing to tell. Because hmm. like, there's like too many details, right? And it's a boring of story. Then people don't want to listen to it. Um, the second thing that it does, it also makes it makes it sound like I'm a finished product, mm. right? Like I've like I have actualized, and the thing that I've actualized is like I am confident in my path now, but yeah. I know there's so much more to grow, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm somebody that like is deeply imperfect, mm-hmm. um, and I think stories they create these illusions sometimes. Um, and I, I would caution people for like against falling for that illusion. That would be, that would be the other piece of advice I'd tell myself. Yeah. And it would help with that primary one of like having a sense of gratitude for making a decision as important as that. Mm-hmm. And it's not a destination. I think that that's what also makes it so thrilling and exciting is that you're not just going to get somewhere and then get bored. You know, it's all a journey, both internally and externally. I mean, that the world is adapting and we need to adapt with it. So, yeah. So, yeah. God, wouldn't it be nice if it were boring sometimes? Though? Like, yeah. oh, we saw oh, climate man. change. Sometimes I miss like having jobs where I didn't have to think at all. <laughs> just like doing one thing. And, like, you know, I yeah. miss being bored at things sometimes. But <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like one of the things that made me realize is, uh, there's this old Chinese proverb that I always thought was like really like nice. It's like, may you live in interesting times. Hmm. And it's actually a curse, right? <laughs> because if you're living in interesting times, it's really hard and complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we're living in interesting times. Yes, we are. <laughs> That's great for stories. It is. It is. Keeps us on our toes. And, and I also think sometimes you realize like time also flies by, you know, I think that's also a good, kind of sign that you're doing something that that you like that maybe it's challenging yeah. and pushing you and you you know you doubt yourself sometimes but but those you doubts through. though can make some of those projects seem like they take forever though that right is so like when, when you're like <laughs> i'm gonna do this really cool thing yeah. you know <laughs> and you sit down and you're like then it's like that negative i i call this voice eddie the editor and he's like my negative <laughs> like this is gonna suck like i can't believe you think you're gonna write something good like no one's gonna <laughs> like you you lose all your friends like yeah. you'll become penniless and broke and like your wife's gonna divorce you <laughs> then you're gonna have to move and you have to leave and then you don't have any like outdoor skills so like how are you going to survive and you're just going to like turn into some sort of fungus at the bottom of the ocean 
Eddie, the editor is creative, right? I'll give him that. But like, it's like so obnoxious, so hard to get through that. It's a long-winded oh, story. But yeah, like, I, I gotta write. You gotta this run paper. through it. Yeah, I gotta write you this. You gotta story. run through it. You gotta run through it, and then you realize, like, at the end of the day, the worst case scenario, like being a fungus. I mean, people love mushrooms. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, solution to climate change. Fine. <laughs> yeah, and mental health, right? You get the right kind. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, perfect. Well, this was super exciting. I think there's there's a lot that's packed in here. We'll have you know everything mapped out in the description, all the different links to a lot of the resources yeah. that you've mentioned here, so the listeners can can dive deeper. Mm-hmm. And in episode two, we're going to be diving um, more into kind of the role you have and the, the experience you've gotten with Carbon Collective, and you're know, really focusing on the role of investing to solve climate change. So, mm-hmm. really looking forward to it. Exciting. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for your time. Look forward to next one. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Brand Saving the World is an original podcast and Ola Impact production. Our host is Kelly Rogan, and we appreciate all feedback and podcast ideas sent to the email hello at olaimpact.com.